Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. My name is Pastor Trevor, and man, man, I'm excited about church this morning. I'm excited about this final message in this series and uh, just what God is doing. If you're brand new this morning, again, welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, man, I pray that you'll, uh, you'll hang around, that you'll just consider, like, just try and renew church out a little bit. Come see our, our, our interest gathering tonight. I think the screen said 6, but it's at 6.30 tonight. The paper, the card has the information, the address at our office location. We would love to get you plugged in. We're going to be talking about getting plugged in a little bit in my message today, but we would love for you to take next steps to be pu- become a part of Renew Church, actually what we call the Renew Crew. It's going to be uh, great things are ahead. We're only six weeks old. So like if you compare that to a baby, like we're still kind of like just barely moving, right? I mean, we don't have all the details figured out. We haven't figured out how to get up and run yet. We haven't figured out how to uh, work an iPhone. I mean, give us like two more weeks and we'll, you know, babies know how to do that almost out of the, their mother's womb. But like we're still figuring things out a little bit, but we're excited about what God has in store. So tonight, I want to encourage you to join me. Also, if you're interested in baptism, join Mikey out in the courtyard. Uh, Come find that crazy looking guy with the short haircut. He used to have long hair. So if you forgot what he looks like, now he's got short hair. You look good, Mikey. How many of you know Mikey is getting married to our amazing, one of our children's directors, Yandria, in two weeks? Can we give them a round of applause? Actually, it's 13 days, right? Counting the days. Who's counting, right? Ah, bachelorhood, man. So uh, we're super excited. I'm so thankful for Mikey. I'm so thankful for our entire Renew crew, the team that makes this happen every single week. We have an amazing team of people that come together every Sunday morning to make Renew a reality. And I praise God for him. I want to talk to you this morning about the final message in this series on uh, your story. And the, the, kind of the, the, the consensus, the main thing, the main theme that I was talking about, that I've been talking about for the last several weeks, is that, that the actions you take... And the decisions you make will determine the story that breaks in your life. The actions you take and the decisions you make will determine the story that breaks in your life. So we talked about in the first word, the word of God, and allowing yourself to settle in, not on anything else but the word of God, because the storms will come no matter where you're at. We talked about real relationships and the importance of having good relationships, determining who your Friday night crowd is, the people that you're choosing to give your best time to, because looking ahead... Looking into the future three, four, five years from now, that's who you will become. If you're happy with the way they are, good. But if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't want to follow in their footsteps, then you need to determine the type of relationships that you hang around. It will change your story. We talked about game changers. We said God... God wants to use your game changers for good. Those things in your life, that, that, that pivotal moment in your life, whether it was a disease, whether it was a divorce, whether it was death, whatever that thing is, God wants to use the game changers in your life for good. You've got to let him do that. And then last week we talked about a tough one. We talked about prayer and giving. We talked about the disciplines of prayer and giving, giving God the first of your day giving God the first of your dollar, saying to God, God, these are my first. And, and uh, we started practicing that. And at least I did in my home. I just took my phone, plugged it in, and then threw it under the bed a little bit. I had it hooked onto the cord so I could kind of fish it back out. I didn't have to crawl under the bed. But I was doing that just for the purpose of not looking at my phone from the very minute I go to bed to the very minute I wake up. It's me getting down on my knees and just 
praying before I start my day instead of starting my day with Facebook or some other uh, you know, email check or anything like that. You know what it's all about? This message series is all about trusting God. That's what it really it boils down to, putting your faith in God, in your relationships, in the game-changing moments, in your time, uh, with your money, and finally with your whole self, with your self. I want to ask you this question this morning. Have you ever felt like, have you ever been used? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, have you ever felt like you walked away from a scenario or a circumstance and you were like, man, that guy, he just like literally used me. Maybe not in big stuff, but what about in little stuff? Like, have you ever let somebody cut you in line in the grocery store, and you, you saw that they just had, like, maybe like a box of Cheerios or something, right? And so you're like, oh, go ahead, because you had a grocery basket. And so you let the guy in line, and then he cuts in, and he says, thank you very much. And then comes grandma right behind him. It's his grandma, and he's like, oh, come on, abuela. And abuela has, like, uh, like 700 cans of tomatoes, um, and she has coupons for every single one of them. And so you thought you were letting the kid with Cheerios in front of you, and then the grandma comes in behind, and she takes advantage of you. Not grandma. It was the guy, you know? But have you ever been used like that? You ever had that moment, and you were just like, man, I was at Denny's this past week, and I, there was a lady in the line, and in fact, I was working on my message while I was at Denny's, right? And, and um, we were getting up to the line, and this lady, she kind of just barely got in front of me just a little bit, but I was like, hey, it's fine. Let me, I'm working on a sermon about, you know, allowing people to, to go first and putting others first, so I was like, let me let this person do it. And so just this week, I'm there, and, and I said, go ahead. And she pulls out like wads of cash and like 10 receipts. And I look back and there's a table and she's paying for every single person at that table individually and separately with cash. And I'm like, all I needed to do was pay for my $4 breakfast. You could have let me go, right? I just felt used and abused. Anybody like that? Am I the only one? I'm a selfish person, I guess, man. I don't know. Think about that, though. Think about your time. Think about, about your life. Think about the people in your life that, that uh, not just the people that use you in a negative way, but think about the people, where we're going today. I want to start with the person that has maybe uh, served you more than anyone else in life. Maybe that person in your life that you have used. Like, think for a second. Who is the person in your life that you have counted on, that you have looked to, to serve you? Maybe you have actually, even if you're honest with yourself, you've actually used them. Not just the person at Denny's, but I mean like over and over and over again. You have that person in mind? I have it in mind. You know who it is for me? It's my mother. My mother. My mom is the most selfless person I know. In fact, she's constantly bailing me out with my wife and my girls. She, she helps me find the perfect gifts for my daughters and my wife, when, when it's my job to buy them something, my mom is there for me because she knows how to do it. My, my mom is, is like semi-retired, but she kind of came out of retirement just to get a job at this jewelry store because she knows how much my wife and my girls love this particular, like these little charms. You know those James Avery those charms that go and they jingle all over your wrists. She, my wife loves those things. My daughters love those things. So my wife literally got, I mean, my mom got a job there just so she could buy my girls those with the employee discount. Like that's the kind of mom I have. And then there's our dog. Some of you have heard about our dog. Some of you have met our dog. Some of you will meet our dog when you come over to the house one day soon. Trixie. 
My mom, she knew for years and years we had this dog. I mean, we, my daughters wanted this dog, uh, some kind of dog, any kind of dog. They were tired of the hamster. The hamster didn't fill the need. They wanted the dog. And, and I was like, no dogs. I had an experience with a dog before kids. It was a bad experience. I was like, no dogs. But my mom was so sad for my daughters that she was like, listen, Trevor, here's the deal. This is like a money-back guaranteed deal for you, okay? I will buy the dog. I will potty train the dog. I will guarantee the dog that if you don't like the dog, I will give you your, not your money back because you didn't even pay for it, but I will take the dog back if you don't like the dog. I will do that for you. That's the kind of mom that I have. Like literally, no matter what it is, she's there. Even if I hint at needing something, she's there. She'll go out of her way to make whatever it is I need happen. And you know, the funny thing about that is, is for me, it doesn't make me think less of my mom because she's such a servant. Like, it doesn't make me think, of, think, think wow, she's, she's below me because she's always serving me. And for you, maybe you have that person in mind, a grandparent, a parent, an uncle, older brother, or just a really good friend. But I, I want to get to you, I want to get across to you this point that serving other people often has the opposite effect that you might originally think. When you think to yourself, oh man, when it comes to serving somebody, um, it's going to kind of lower my status in their eyes. It's going to reduce who I am to them. I'm not going to drop down to that level for them. But think about the person that has had the greatest impact on you. Maybe it's your mom or maybe it's a grandmother or somebody like that. And think about the impact and the influence they've had on you. It gives you an even higher regard for them, does it not? It makes you think higher of them, not less of them. People are drawn to those that serve them sacrificially. They're not repelled by it. It's not like, oh, man, you're below me, mom. You, you, you did that for me? Oh, I don't, like, no, it makes me love her and care about her more. I need you to get this today. I need you to kind of receive this today. When it comes to your story, when it comes to your life, servanthood is not about a position. It's not just about a skill, whether high or low. It's not like, oh, you're at a certain skill level, so you do this. Servanthood is about an attitude. Servanthood and the acts of service that we do is about in attitude, it's about your heart. And that leads me to our text this morning. It leads me to the example in our text in John chapter 13. So we're going to read there. If you have your Bibles or the words are going to be on the screen, you can also look in, as Mikey said, the YouVersion app. Go to more, click events, and there's Renew Church, and the words are there in the app. It says it was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having, his loved, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I mean, there's another translation that says he loved them to the last, as if to say Jesus like, was loving them beyond anything else anyone else could do. This was the very like, extent of his love. And the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So imagine, like your murderer's in the room with you, and you're loving him even to the last. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That the heavenly Father, this is God we're speaking of, had put all things under his power and that he had come from God 
and was returning to God. Okay, so stop there for just a second and process that with me. Jesus, the Son of God, the second part of the Trinity, he knew that God had done this, that given him all authority. So this is what he's about to do. This may not have been what you were expecting if you had never read this before. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, though, Jesus said, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Back then, and still in my house with my daughters, just kidding, this, that's a bad joke, but uh, it was customary. Uh, they would never wash my feet. They won't touch my feet with a pole, man, and, and rightly so. But back in those days, it was customary to have a servant wash the feet before the feast. And although it was noticed, you know, everybody knew it. I mean, it was the elephant in the room. Everybody knew that nobody was there to wash the, the disciples' feet. Nobody was there to wash even the master's feet. But no one volunteered. No one stepped up to do to, stepped up to the challenge. No one said, I'm going to do it. Like feet back in those days were even more so than today. They were nasty, right? I mean, the hygiene systems and the, the things that we have in place today are a little different. The soap, I mean, there weren't like nail salons on every corner where you could pay 20 bucks and get it taken care of. The roads were covered in dust and manure. I mean, everything you did, this was your mode of transportation, Right? Just from, from, from place to place in town, maybe out of town, you're riding on a donkey, but you know what donkeys make, right? So that's around, and everyone's wearing Birkenstocks. Everyone's wearing sandals. So there is no closed-toed shoes. There's no socks. Your feet, what I'm trying to get at, the point that I'm trying to get you to take is, is that your feet, more than any other part of your body, were dirty. They came in contact with this dirty, desolate world. And Jesus the Savior of the world, Jesus, the one that had all authority, that God had given authority over everything. Jesus, the Savior of the world, just decided at that very moment in time to become the servant of the world. He was no longer just the Savior of the world. He was the servant of the world. I love how verse 3 says, he 
God put all things under his power. And so because of that, when God puts everything under his power, what does he do? He takes a towel, removes his outer garment, and he begins to be, begins to be a servant and wash their feet. Jesus, I want you to get, is willing to be used. Have you ever been used? started this message this morning asking you, have you ever been used? And maybe you're thinking about that person that used you in line at the grocery store. But I want you to think about it in a different context. Have you ever been used? Have you ever came to that place where you've said to God, God, use me? Three things that I want you to get from this message this morning. Number one, Jesus served out of grace, not gratitude. Jesus served out of grace, not gratitude. Let me explain to you the difference. Jesus served them what they did not deserve. He should not have been washing their feet, but he did it out of grace, not because that's what they deserved. We have a tendency in our life, in our world, just as human beings, to serve people uh, that we are especially grateful to or someone that we might think that we could possibly get something from, right? I mean, that's what we do sometimes. When's the last time you've served someone out of grace and not gratitude, not expecting anything in return? I mean, we're quick to some, serve someone if we think we're going to get a big tip or we think that something will come back to us as a reward. But when was the last time you just said to somebody, I want to help you, expecting nothing in return? Jesus served out of grace. He served out of love. It was not because of something that we did. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We do it out of gratitude, but he did it out of grace. The second thing that I want you to get is, is servants are secure in who they are. Servants are secure in who they are. Jesus knew who he was and was secure enough to get down on the floor to wash the disciples' feet. There's a difference between a secure servant and an insecure servant. A secure servant needs a title. A secure servant needs a title. An insecure servant, he needs, um, excuse me, a secure, insecure servant needs a title. A secure servant needs a towel. An insecure servant is that person that says, hey, what's in this for me? What's, what's going to be my position in this? Like, have you guys know The Office, my favorite, one of my favorite sitcoms of all times, Dwight Schrute? assistant to the regional manager, right? No, he says, I'm the assistant regional manager, and his, Michael's always quick to say, no, you're the assistant to the regional manager. Dwight needed a title. How many of you, you need a title? Jesus didn't need a title. He was the son of God, but he didn't need a title. You know what he needed? You know what he wanted? You know what he asked for? He asked for a towel. He led, not with the title and position, but with a towel and a basin, I mean, imagine for just a second his security, like being, being uh, questioned, like it, it, who he was. When you come down to this level, when you get down here in this posture, and you begin to stretch forth and take hold of someone's dirty, mucky feet, like what does that do? He was secure in who he was, and he was willing to stoop down to humble himself and even stretch forth to wash his disciples' feet. Servants are secure. And serving 
will stretch you. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to get lower than you naturally would and stretch farther than you normally would? Because if you do, it'll change your story. It'll make an impact on your life. And then finally, actions speak louder than words. Man, think about it for just a minute. Actions speak louder than words. We, we um, I just saw this article this week on this uh, the story of Mother Teresa. And it was uh, about a, a group of um, uh, business people that went to meet and, and meet some of the directors of the organization and uh, the society that Mother Teresa had set up. She had already since been passed away. She died in 1997. But they went to kind of interview and, and learn a little bit about the organization that Mother Teresa set up. And there they were kind of like gathered to, to learn of, of her humble beginnings and all of her experiences and the way in which she had impacted not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands, even millions of people across the globe over that 50-year period. And she did that by actions and not words. That group that was sitting there with the, the, the organization director, they, they, they were, were wrestling with and they were kind of like talking about before even the meeting. They were talking about their own organization and, and ways in which to, to have that kind of influence, the influence that Mother Teresa had. And they were talking about how to make certain goals so that they could be as influential as Mother Teresa was. So they sat there at the table coming across from this lady that was there in charge. And they said to her, um, had Mother Teresa set any big goals like eliminating poverty? Because, I mean, she was known for that. She was known for helping the poor. Had she set any of these kind of big goals? And the sister responded, oh, no. Oh, no. Mother Teresa was completely focused on helping one person at a time. She wasn't about this big organization. She wasn't about like ending world hunger. She was about helping one person at a time. And this dear Catholic woman was secure in her servanthood. Not based on a title, not based on the fact that she had been in, had influence over the United Nations and over uh, many governments and talked to very, very influential leaders all across the world. She cared more about that one person. She didn't care about the title. She cared about the towel. And her actions spoke louder than words. This is a quote from her at the end of life. We will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, how many great things we have done. We will be judged by I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. How have you been used I'm writing this sermon on Wednesday night, actually coming back from Denny's. And a friend of mine's reaching out to me, a guy that I've known for years, been part of previous ministries, still has my number, reaches out to me, calls me right when I'm pulling in the driveway. Hey, pastor, it's me, so-and-so. 
I'm at the Arby's over here in Cutler Ridge. I'm going to be on the street tonight, but I'm just checking in. I'll pray for you, man. He said, thank you. Hung up the phone. And I'm like, God, man, is that got to happen like this? Right when I'm writing my sermon, does it have to happen in this way? At this time, I want to go home. I want to be with my family. God does stuff like that. You willing to be used? So he has like a Wi-Fi phone, you know, it's just hooked up. He doesn't have service or whatever. So, so I tried calling him back. He didn't answer. But I knew where the Arby's was. So I was like, all right, I'll just drive over there. So I drive over there. I go inside, ask employees, anybody seen this guy, so-and-so? Describe him. No, I didn't see him. Tried calling the number, didn't answer. I went back home, you know, made the 20-minute drive back home. And as I'm pulling back into the driveway again, he said, hey, did you call? I said, yeah. <laughs> I called. I came looking for you. I don't know what I was going to do, actually. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot that I could do, but I just came to encourage you. He began to weep. Because his friend and a pastor and a guy that, that maybe in previous times said, I, I'll pray for you, was willing to leave the comfort of his home and just drive across town to, to sit with him for a minute and encourage him. And he, sent, he thanked me several times. He didn't ask for anything else. He didn't want me to come back. It was nothing else. He was just like, thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Have you ever been used? It's an awesome feeling. Practical application for you. Sense a need. Sense a need. Maybe that's a word that'll stick in your head. You'll come across it. You're going to sense a need. Just kind of make it one word or put two hyphens between A and both sides. Sense a need. When you find something and it really, really resonates with you, it may not be the homeless person. It may not be the, 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 the foster care. But whatever the need is, when you sense a need, do something about it so that God can use you. Find opportunities and say, God, what is it that you want to do? Second thing, put others ahead of yourself and your agenda. Do the things that you do out of grace and not just gratitude, not because they you owe them, not because they deserve it. Just do it out of grace, expecting nothing in return. In fact, look for that person that cannot do anything in return for you and do that for them. It'll change your story. Third thing, don't be afraid to stoop and stretch. Don't be afraid to stoop lower than you normally would and stretch further than you naturally would. 
It'll change your story. And last but not least, finally, be anonymous. Don't do it for the, for, for the title. Don't do it so that somebody can see you. I mean, sometimes you can't be anonymous, but, but just be anonymous. Just like, hey, this is for you. God bless you. God loves you. Don't do it so that you can receive your reward because the Bible says you have already received your rewards. Jesus said, I've set this example that you should do as I have done for you. Because serving God will stretch you. It'll change your story. It'll impact you in ways that you've never, ever thought it would. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. This morning, we're going to follow in the example of Jesus. After he washed the disciples' feet, he got back up from the table, and, and uh, it was that final meal that he was going to eat before he was arrested, wrongly accused, and then sentenced to die a criminal's death. This is the part in which the servant of the world transitions to the savior of the world. From the Savior to the servant, and now it's back to the Savior again. And he's after he's washed his disciples' feet, after he's loved them to the very last, he says, now we're going to eat of this bread, and we're going to drink of this cup. And whenever you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, I need you to eat of this bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of my body broken, of my blood shed to preserve you blameless unto everlasting life, not because of anything you did, because of what I did for you, because the servant of the world became the ultimate servant and finally the savior of the world. So this morning we're going to receive communion together as a body of Christ, as he commanded us. He said, whenever you eat of this, you do this in remembrance of me. You don't have to be a member of, of Renew. We don't even have membership yet. We're, we're still a band. Remember, we're getting there. But the only requirement is, is that you're a member of the body of Christ, that you've received Jesus as your personal Savior, that you've declared him as Lord, and you're asking him to come into your life to set you free from whatever it is that may be holding you back. Today, if you want to do that, you can do that even now. You can do that with the simple prayer of faith. We sometimes call it the prayer of salvation. It's just a prayer that says, Lord, I declare you, you Lord, and Savior, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and make me brand new. Because you died for me, today I choose to live for you. Thank you for what you've done. If you pray that prayer or something in that line where you declare Jesus is Lord, you put him on the throne of your life, nothing else in charge. God's the boss. When you say that and you ask him to forgive you, he comes in. He allows his Holy Spirit to come into you, and it's from that point forward that like a transition, tra transformation begins to happen in you. You may not feel all of it right here and right now, but it begins right here with that single conceiving seed in your heart and in your life.
you prayed that prayer, then I invite you to come. If not, then I would just ask that you just kind of hang back and, and not, not come forward, not receive the elements. Nobody's going to judge you for that. But that's the only requirement, that you are part of the body of Christ, that you've declared Jesus as Lord and Savior. So as we sing this song, I'm just going to invite kind of half of you to kind of come down this aisle and come this way. Watch out for the little uh, chair legs. They're a little bit standing out there, so be careful as you come out of the aisle and come down, and you're just going to take your cup, you're going to take your bread, and you're going to go back to your seat, and I'll give you instructions on your way back. So don't receive it, but uh, there are ushers there in case you have any questions or anything, but just take and then kind of go around that away and grab the bread, grab the juice, and, uh, and, and then go back to your seat, okay?
and they received the elements before the service and, and they're just ministering to us at this time but just want to uh, remind you Jesus said whenever you do this whenever you eat of this bread remember my body broken what I did for you Savior of the world becoming the servant of the world becoming again the Savior of the world saving whosoever that's me that's you if you believe in him if you declare him as Lord then you are part of that whosoever let him have it. Give them all to him. So we take and we eat this in remembrance of him and we be thankful. Let's eat together. After he took the bread, he took the cup. This is grape juice, by the way, for those of you that this is only our second time doing communion. That's matzo bread. This is grape juice. Just so you know symbolizes Christ's blood shed for us because of the atoning sacrifice because of the spotless lamb because of what he did amen because of what he did we can be forgiven and set free the chains could come off so Jesus we receive your blood poured out for us for our sins take and drink this together Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body broken, for your bloodshed, to preserve us blameless unto everlasting life. Oh God, how thankful we are for your sacrifice. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, let's give Jesus a round of applause this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise God.